Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What up, Fightful fam, and welcome to 1-2 Punch, Player 1, Shaquille Madjui, Player 2, Hunter Hurst Homosek of the Bow and Glow MMA show. Uh, are you a WWE fan, or did that go over your head? So I'm not a WWE fan, but it also didn't go over my head. I, I know enough about it to to pick up on that for you. <laughs> yeah, I used to spend like a week prepping these nicknames. And at some point, we used to have a drink of the week gimmick. It all kind of just escaped me eventually. But yeah. here we are. Uh, guys, thank you for tuning in. If you're a fan of the show, you know how we get down. If it's your first time, maybe you hopped over with the Hunter bandwagon today. This is one-two punch. It's news talk, but on a win-lose-draw system. What that means is we're going to talk about the week's biggest winners, the week's biggest losers, and then draw up a little preview for UFC 258 this Saturday. Let me hit our snazzy little animated intro. Ooh. Got an animated intro. Yeah, no, shout out fancy. To, yeah, no, shout out to the graphics team at Fightful holding it down. Okay, uh, one reminder very quickly, guys. If you could please hit subscribe, tap that notification bell, leave a like. Small act on your part, but it really does go a long way to help and keep the ship running smoothly over here. If you're feeling extra generous, it's quite cold. A little super chat donation might warm the heart. Ooh. A dollar, a thousand. I got a preference, but it's all good. It doesn't um, matter. It doesn't just matter. Chip in. Just throw some money in. And if, if, if nothing else, guys, just hit us up in the chat. We love talking to you. It lets us know that everything is operating smoothly. I don't have to take this, stick it to my ear every minute to make sure the volume is good. All right, that's enough of me, Shillin' Hunter. We're already like two and a half minutes in, roughly. Uh, let's get to it. We're gonna, we have a lot of losers. Usually we start with the winners, but boy, boy, did it suck to be a certain number of people this week. And uh, Ooh, I don't want to bury the headline here. Uh, Gina Carano, who I once proudly waved the MMA flag for him like hey look at this girl from the Mandalorian she's in my biz uh no more Gina Carano parts ways with Lucas Films and Disney has her contract I think terminated basically um mm -hmm. after months and months of posting QAnon stuff anti-mask stuff and probably anti-vax stuff I don't know definitely some Nazi Germany stuff um and here we are so 
when you look at this, the, the people have been causing a fuss online, for example, that, hey, uh, Pedro Pascal posted a photo comparing um, the holding facilities that they were keeping uh, kids at at the U.S.-Mexico border to Nazi Germany. Why does he get a pass when she doesn't? For you, fundamentally, what happened here? Is it a, oh, Disney, Hollywood, liberal uh, canceling thing here? Is it strictly a business move here? Like, when you look at this, at its core, what actually happened? Well, I definitely think it's mostly a business move out of the two options that you've given. You know, Disney's not dumb. (laughs) They don't want to lose subscribers. They don't want to lose viewers. They could sense the way it was trending online and everything. But at the same time, the the point that I haven't seen made very much that I think is incredibly interesting here is that Gina had been doing this for months. Mm -hmm. She had been tweeting these things for months. There is a 0% chance that she didn't get warned repeatedly about this. Like anybody who has ever had any job knows the boss will be in your ear when he's unhappy he or she is unhappy so there's no way that gina had been doing this for months and months and months and is just suddenly surprised oh my god they cut me like there's no way that she wasn't already on thin ice and knew that so it was her prerogative man i mean that that was on her she knew what she was doing everybody wants to bring up the free speech angle in america and 100 you have free speech in america and she was free to say what she said Disney was also free to fire her for saying those things. And that's what they did. And I've already seen today, it looks like Gina's what she's bouncing back already and signing something with Ben Shapiro, some kind of movie with Ben Shapiro. I don't even know if that was true. I saw Colby Covington on some program (laughs) talking about it today. It all sounds right. So in today's, in today's political climate and everything, I have no doubt Gina will find something to do on that extreme side of things. And people will rally behind her for it. That's just where we're at. We have people who are firmly in her corner and I understand that. I respect that. I, I don't agree with that. I think she was right to get fired after everything that she said. And it's, it's unfortunate all in all, man, to me, it's, I don't want to be like, aha, Gina got what she got, got what was coming to her. Like, I don't, I'm not that guy at all because in the end she really was one of the great female Mm -hmm. MMA pioneers and a great ambassador for this. Like you said, it, it was cool to look up and see on the silver screen on this big time production on the Mandalorian. Huge it's like, show. hey, that yeah. that's our that's that's MMA's girl. Like we, you know, you have a piece of her. <laughs> like like you're invested in Gina Carano, and, and now it's yeah. And it sucks to just see her go off the rails like this and and tarnish whatever legacy she had. I mean, you're you're already seeing obviously plugged into Twitter and social media the way you are. The way people are roasting Gina now is just any new fan to the sport is going to have a really hard time understanding who she was before all this mm-hmm. happened. And that's a, that's a shame to me. Yeah, and uh, it's funny. It, it got me reminiscent. Uh, I was watching YouTube clips of uh, Donald Cerrone and Paul Felder on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia chugging that uh, fight milk, <laughs> yeah. uh, vomiting yeah. on command. Shout out to Cowboy for committing. Uh, yeah, you know, like you said, I think you can take the politics out of this now. Can we blame left-wing cancel culture for putting it on Disney's radar and, you know, sort of compelling them to make this PR move? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. But like you said, the reality is when you're employed with a company, there are, uh, you know, freedom of speech and freedom of consequence are two different things, right? And I promise you that there are clauses in Gina Carano's contract that she can't say inflammatory things online that could reflect poorly on the company and hurt their bottom line look disney's i i, I hope no one's out there applauding uh disney either because uh your pal luke thomas who may have 
blocked me from his email. I don't think so. It's possible. Um, <laughs> he uh, he pointed out very right uh, accurately, like Disney's the same company that was posting thank yous to the Chinese government at the end of Mulan, despite the fact that they quite literally do have concentration camps happening in their country right now. So it's not a left wing or right wing thing. It's a business thing. Gina Carano said stuff that she knew she couldn't say. And listen, if she really believes in it and she she thought this was more important than her career, I'd urge her to maybe broaden her scope of where she gets her information from. But if she really believed it was a cause worth dying for, then she does. And I don't blame her for that necessarily. But she knew in her contract she couldn't do these things without repercussion and she did them. So it is what it is, right? And she definitely knew because in November, like you alluded to, uh, Disney was prepared to unveil to investors a spin-off series starring her. And that got quietly swept away. So she already knew, or she should have known, I assume, that there were already repercussions happening behind the scenes. And she kind of just doubled down on it. Mm-hmm. So She absolutely knew, man. I mean, this is the thing. Like, I know a lot of people right now want to look at Gina Carano in a bad light and say, oh, she's so ignorant and in some ways she is for sure with these topics but she's not dumb like she's not a dumb woman at all she's played her career after fighting as well as anybody really like the way that she's developed her career and her acting and everything pretty genius actually that's not easy to do on any level so it's not like like you said she didn't not understand what was coming to her like 100 percent, she she knew that if she kept this up that would happen and i think that she did accept that i think a part of her was ready to transition and I don't, I don't know that she wanted this to happen. Don't get me wrong. I'm definitely not saying that because she was set. Like you said, she had a, what a good gig. Yeah, she had a spinoff on the way and everything. It wasn't that, but it was that she knew she could still parlay it into a successful career if that would happen. And she wasn't willing to give it up. So, I mean, eh, on one, like I said, I don't necessarily respect the beliefs or anything like that, but I do in one weird way, respect the commitment on her part. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's crazy because it's not like, it's not like she was set for an MMA fighter. Like, this is the sort of position and the sort of role and the sort of exposure that legitimate actors and actresses only dream of having. Mm-hmm. So it's insane. Um, and on that note, before we end this, I'm going to tie it into a video we've got coming out later today. Uh, chopped it up in a hurry. Ten women's MMA fighters that could replace Gina Carano as uh, Cara Dune on The Mandalorian. What's your pick? Who would, you, who would be your number one MMA pick to replace Gina Carano? Oh, man. Assuming they're all equally bad actors. I guess with the exception of, I guess, Ronda Rousey's got some experience, but... I mean, that's obviously where my brain goes for for the most obvious reasons. Ronda's right at the top just because of her star power and what she would bring to it and everything. And unfortunately, I don't know the show at all. This is this might blow your mind. Like I've never seen any Star Wars movies or Star Wars related content. So if you need to cut me off the show right now, I understand. Half of it's garbage. I still love it, but (laughs) half of it's garbage. So I don't know what's necessary for this role, but I'll say my favorite pick would definitely be uh, Chris Cyborg. Just, just for the hilarity of Cyborg Badassery. replacing Piranha. And she's a total badass, so yeah. JL in the comment section says Misha Tate. Uh, that, yeah, I feel like she could uh, I feel like she could make a good transition to Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, our, our, one of our uh, staff writers over at Fightful, suggested uh, Amanda Hebos to me just to get completely away from this PR nightmare. Why not bring on the most lovable <laughs> MMA fighter of all time? So That's, that's a solid I, move. Yeah. Solid move. I, I do like that. Okay. 
Uh, let's move on because we got so many more losers to talk about. We're already like 10 minutes into the program. Uh, man, uh, Hamzat Shemaev, and I say this with no disrespect because it appears that he's still suffering from lingering side effects after contracting the no-no-bad-person virus uh, that will get me demonetized and unlisted because uh, YouTube's algorithm sucks. But he's still dealing with side effects from contracting that thing. And uh, credit to Dana White, because unlike another topic we're going to get to, he seems willing and ready to let this one go. He appe- he said that we're... Uh, he told uh, ESPN's Brett Okamoto that they're going to move on from Leon Edwards versus Hamzat Shemaev for the time being. Uh, man, I don't even know what to say at this point. Like, talk about going from a thousand to zero in terms of momentum. Like, right. assuming Hamzat gets back and gets healthy, do you worry at all that by the time he makes it back, it's going to be too late and the not to make an impact, but that like this level of cashing in, going from unranked to fighting number three, will be lost. For sure. I mean, he's already lost some momentum in all this. There's no doubt. Whoever he gets rebooked against next, he's gonna. they're going to hold an asterisk over it. They're going to say, I'll believe it when he's walking to the cage. He's, mm-hmm. he's become that guy now, unfortunately. And that sucks for him because he did have one of the most impressive breakout years that I ever remember seeing anybody have in the UFC. So the excitement surrounding this guy is always going to be there. He's still young enough. I think he's 26. So he's still young enough that it's not like being on the shelf a little longer is going to totally derail him or anything but yeah this this definitely reminds of some other fights that you try to get booked you try to get booked and now you're just giving up on it you know tony ferguson versus could being the most obvious Seriously. one there this is becoming like that so yeah i'm not going to believe it until i see it in on any level but like you said the uh the no-no bug <laughs> that that he caught that's the craziest thing to me is that this is still lingering like super healthy young athlete yeah. and these side effects are still lingering saw the same thing happen with Cody Garbrandt, right? Like his his side effects lingered for a a lot longer than he expected. It was much tougher. So it just goes to show, you know, this thing's going to impact different people differently. I just hope, I hope he comes back healthy, ready to fight. But I think you need to book him against somebody a little further down the ladder. Now, I think he missed his chance to get that kind of number one contender fight that it looked like he was in line to get now. At this point, you need to say, we just need to see you in there, man. Just get in there and fight somebody. Yeah, uh, we're going to go to Joe Spose in the chat who says, Hamza will be fine as a fighter. I think Dana was trying to cash in on the fact that he had success due to this crazy time. Um, yeah, and, and that that's the point. It's like, he's if he can get back and be healthy, I think, you know, the you know the star is the limits for the guy, but I don't think it's going to, like you said, it's not going to happen at the rate that it would have uh, had he not gone through this health issue. And I'm, I'm not going to get into a whole uh, vaccine thing right now, but... For me, this is a little reminder of when people tell me, oh, um, are you going to get it right away? I always say, for me, I'm prepared to chance the side effects of the vaccine more than I am prepared to chance the side effects of the virus in terms of like long-term health. So uh, the, the, this ham- what's happening to Hamzat and Cody is kind of my worst fear for young people. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. I was just going to say the, the side of things that, that's not talked about in all this is that Leon Edwards is also a loser here. You know, <laughs> he's missed out now. He hasn't fought since July of 2019. Dude, and I worry for him. I worry. Yeah. Like we saw what happened to Santiago Ponzinibbio after such a long layoff. And I fear the same might be in his future if he can't get in there. 
it would completely suck. I mean, everybody talks about how Ryan Hall never fights, which is true. We're going to get to that. (laughs) He's fought more recently than Leon Edwards, ladies and gentlemen, which is crazy. So Leon is is a huge loser in all this too through no fault of his own, really. So it's just, I mean, the MMA game sucks sometimes, man. You see this happen to guys, like you just said, Ponzinibbio. You see things like this happen to guys sometimes. So that's the risk they run. And whenever you start throwing four ounce gloves in there, man, it can change anybody's fate. So there we go. Um, let's f- wrap up the Hamza thing on Leon. He insists, according to his manager, Tim Paradigm, I th- uh, sorry, Tim Simpson of Paradigm, I think they're talking to Ariel Helwani, uh, that Leon is adamant that he stay on this card. Uh, the names that were mentioned were Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal, Nate Diaz, the same ones that Leon's always calling out. Well, it appears that some combination of Colby, Jorge, and Nate, probably the former two, are going to be headlining uh, the Ultimate Fighter when it makes its return to ESPN. Dana White did confirm it would be welterweights and that it would be a fun season. Um, This is where I worry about Leon, because I feel like we're headed back into the territory that led to his really long layoff. His insistence that he fights one of those two, three top guys. Um, if If he says he wants to stay on the card and he wants to fight these three people... Which do you think he's prepared to, at this point, settle on? The date or the opponent? Uh, the opponent. I think he would wait. I think he would wait if he had to, to get that guy. Like, I don't think he'll fight Michael Chiesa on March 13th, mm-hmm. I, if that was offered. I don't think that would happen. And that's that's on Leon at this point, too. Like, we talk about some things out, out of his control, but that's in his control. And I understand why he doesn't want to fight a guy like Kiesa or especially Wonder Boy. Like Wonder Boy throwing his hat, throwing his name in as a potential opponent. I love it. I love the fight. I think that's a perfect fight. I also think that's an incredibly dangerous fight for Leon Edwards that he does not want. Because even if you beat Wonder Boy, it's really hard to look good doing it. Yeah. Really hard to look good doing it. And then people will say, eh, Leon still didn't didn't impress me that much i don't even know if he deserves the title but he's in no man's land man because like like you said it looks like colby versus jorge is going to be the ultimate fighter coaches which that's not confirmed but that makes all the sense in the world and then nate is just not gonna fight leon edwards we know this we know that nate only gets up for these huge huge money high profile fights at this stage in his career so i don't see him taking that fight yeah so what's that that leaves him with somebody like kiesa or wonder boy and then that's just dangerous. So no matter what Leon Edwards chooses, it's not good. Yeah. Well, and I, this has sort of been my criticism of Leon in this situation for a long time now. It's like, I, I get it. I get that it's not fair. You know, set up a union, fighters. Um, mm-hmm. y- it is going to cause you more harm. I, I think had he taken like the Wonder Boy fight a year ago, and I know he was scheduled with Tyron and, and things didn't work out. That was really out of his control. But I think he's been a little too stubborn. And I think in the long run, the layoff is going to harm him more than accepting a fight with, let's say, Wonderboy Thompson. I agree completely. All right. I agree. Okay. But I also think it's weird to see people say that just give Leon a title shot. Like, that that's the most absurd option that I've seen. Dude, his, most of his wins have not – not to say they weren't meaningful when they happened, but as time goes on, you kind of think less and less of them based on where <laughs> those guys are at right now. Gunnar right. Nelson, half Aldo Sanjos, prior, I guess, to the Paul Felder win, but – he doesn't quite have the resume, I don't think. His last win over RDA in July of 2019, after that fight, nobody was like, wow, Leon deserves a title shot. Yeah. Why, <laughs> 19 months later, would he deserve a title shot? That exactly. doesn't even make sense. 
Alright, um, okay, let's keep rolling here. I'm just trying to see where we are at for time. Oh, and I'm going to mention this really quickly because someone's going to catch me eventually. Uh, I'm putting the one shot on you, Hunter. I definitely forgot to change the social media tag. He is not at Farah Hanoon, um, <laughs> nor is he a lead reporter for MMA Junkie, but uh, he uh -oh. has played the guitar since he was 13, so I got it that's, right. That's factual. Okay. You, get, you, get, you get partial credit. We get partial credit for that. Okay, you, <laughs> you, you mentioned it already. Uh, we should probably start finishing up on the losers. So we'll hit these kind of quickly. Ryan Hall. God, mm -hmm. top, Star Wars is obsessed, by the way. So he's like quite the exact, he's quite the opposite of you in that regard. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm just beaten. I'm demoralized at this point. Like it, it's, it's hard enough for Ryan Hall to get a fight when he's healthy, but now he's getting injured. He's out of the Danny Gay fight. And I thought, I thought he kind of hit the jackpot in terms of the quality of opponent he got there because we were seeing him against legends. We were seeing him against guys with not a whole lot to offer in terms of championship potential. But here you have Dan Ige, who's coming off of a competitive loss to Calvin Cater. I thought a win over Dan Ige would not only put him in a good position for like a top five fight, but I think people would be more willing to accept the fight had he beaten right. someone of Dan Ige's caliber. Um, I, I'm, oh, I think I'm over it, man. Like... That, chalk right it up as you. a career I'm, I'm, i don't and i don't mean that to any offense so i'd love to see him in there but at this point like it's just gotten kind of exhausting yeah it's it's another one of those unfortunate circumstances where it's like i'm not gonna be super excited for your fight until you're fighting but when you are fighting ryan hall i care a lot like he's one of my favorite guys to watch honestly he really is i love ryan hall i love He's like a throwback to me to when I first started watching MMA and there were legit one dimensional guys. Mm -hmm. And it was just so fun. Like the, the whole premise that the UFC was built on, you know, what martial art will reign supreme. I still love that question because I still don't think there's an answer. They've been doing, you know, the UFC has been around how long, but I don't think you can definitively say, okay, Muay Thai is the ultimate background or wrestling is the ultimate background. Like, I still don't know. So when you get a guy who is just a pure grappler like Ryan Hall, who to his credit has rounded out his striking more than I expected. <laughs> well, it's fascinating, but... <laughs> right? Because he's developed, yeah. it, he's developed like basically a, a two fights, a two style fight. He'll throw spinning Kick kicks from across the <laughs> yeah. octagon or right. he'll Iminari roll into, a, into some sort of takedown. Or into I, and that's what I mean. I love it. It's it's so chaotic and goofy. Like it's just so fun to watch. So he's a guy that I want to see. And especially against a guy like Dan Ige, that like you said, perfect fight for him. That's, that's the perfect fight for him. And now you got to think coming back, whoever it will be, it's not going to be that caliber of opponent because the UFC tends to not just rebook and they tend to kind of, I don't want to say punish those guys, but they tend to understand like, Hey, we, we got to give you who you can get because yeah. you've been kind of pulling us along. So He's going to get what he can get, and that's not going to satisfy him. Much like Leon Edwards, Ryan Hall is picky yeah. about who he wants to fight. And, and people are very picky about fighting Ryan Hall, too, at this stage. So. No doubt. Nobody wants to get their knee torn off. No, that no. sucks. No. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm going to go to Joseph Bose in the chat, who at this point I should probably just hire. Uh, breaking <laughs> news, Aaron Bronstetter tweeted that Dana White told media Bobby Green uh, just collapsed, back, collapsed backstage. Oh, man. Medics are checking on him. I, I did notice he hit the weigh-ins pretty late. Um, That's terrible. I mean, I I think that basically rules the fight out. I can't remember a time where a fighter woke up and they're like, yeah, go for it, dude. You're good. Yeah, that's – I mean, that, this is the worst-case scenario. Man, I I just hate hearing stuff like this. And Bobby Green looked like he was in a great mood in media day and everything yeah, seemed very thrilled. lively and good. So 
I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to speculate on something no. like that. Obviously, I just hope he's okay. Yeah, fingers crossed that uh, Bobby Crean comes to that he 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 does recover. I, I I think it's probably safe to assume the fight won't happen. Uh, what why he collapsed? I, I hope we find out soon. But uh, yeah. first and foremost, uh, you know, keep that... keep him and his family and loved ones in your thoughts. For sure. Yeah. Trying to think, the last time something like that happened, would that have been? And in Burrell, way back, remember when he? Uh, I mean, I, I think there's been a ton of like people dehydrated and slipping or right. something since then. Right. Um, but it's, I mean, you know, it's not a good sign. No. Uh, no. And on the note of him being chipper, the way at the media day, uh, I want to give a quick shout out to the MacLife's Oscar Willis for having the cojones to ask Bobby Green which of his three baby mamas does he have to spend the most money on. Oscar Willis, man. So you, Oscar, you, you say Oscar's I, the dude. I saw you tweet. Uh, it, I saw a clip from your podcast where you're saying how like uh, NFL journalism is like dead. Boy, Oscar <laughs> Willis is keeping journalism alive in MMA <laughs> with those questions, dude. That's what MMA needs: more people like Oscar that are asking those questions because it's kind of like we were we were talking about this off the air. Is like this is a goofy sport. Like yeah. it needs a little bit of chaos and a little bit of kind of off the beaten path coverage. So I love when stuff like that, everybody wants MMA. Well, not everybody, but some people want MMA to be this buttoned up NFL MLB product. Nah, it's not. Nah, this is a goofy sport. Let's keep it weird. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, okay. Last one on the losers end, <sighs> man, I-, I alluded to it earlier on when we were talking about Hamzad, but Dana White has another meeting planned. With Habib Nurmagomedov, don't at me, that's how you pronounce it. Um, says he is still the UFC lightweight champion. Says there's some sort of, you know, tournament in the works for the remainder of the contenders. But what are we doing here, dude? Like, I am, I've firmly been on the Habib retirement side because it appears that that's what he wants. But at this point, like, you know, Dana even went so far as to, I, I was giving Dana props after UFC 257 because he went on the air and said, yeah, you know, uh, at the post the press conference. Yeah, you know what? I think Habib's done. It was me pushing for it. I, it. It appears he doesn't want to do it. And like a week later, we're back on this train. I don't know if Habib said something to change his mind, but like, can we please just can we talk about this when he has a fight booked? Right. Like, I feel like this has been the case with so many of our topics where it's like I'm burnt out on hearing yeah. about you right now. I'm. I guess we're out. the losers. Yeah, yeah, really, we are, we are the, well, that was the case before any of this happened anyway, but Habib, like, let the dude retire if he wants to retire. I feel like it's, I don't know, I feel like Habib maybe wants to fight more than he's letting on, Mm -hmm. and I don't know why that would be, but I can't, no matter how much people want to think Dana White is the devil and is the worst guy on earth, I can't imagine that he's just trying to keep Habib in by these negotiation tactics. Like, I think there may be more to it. But until that more to it is ready to be told, like, just stop with the the banter right now. Because that's all it is. It's just noise right now. Like, get back to me when you book something. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know what we're doing. Like, I get it. I'm, I'm guilty of it, too, in the MMA space. Like, anytime we can stretch out Habib's name for another story or Connor's name for another story, we're going to do it. But at this point, it's like, how many times can I write uh, Dana and Habib have a meeting? Right. Like, it's 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 insane i don't i don't know what we're doing anymore all right guys uh we're at the third way mark of our topics so 
Quick reminder, if you could please hit subscribe, tap the notification bell, leave a like on this video, super chat donations. That lets my boss know that I'm doing a good job over here at Fightful MMA, so that would be just splendid. Uh, what, are you, what are you drinking, Hunter? Coke Zero. Coke super Zero. healthy. Hey, super that is my... Additives. Tastes better than Diet Coke. 100%. It does. I think so, too. I agree, I agree. That's like our beverage of choice. The trick for us leave the cans in the closet or in the garage not in the fridge mm, uh, then, then you actually have to work for it you know you, you yeah, really yeah. gotta say you want it before you go for gotta it. incentivize that that's smart i like that yeah all right uh joseph agrees with us he says preach hunter and shack this is why i said the lightweight division is screwed make a decision on the title already yeah i i am ready to move on from this okay as we're moving on let's talk about the winners uh it's a rare week that i got a lead with bellator but Bellator throws this huge press conference. Um, I got to say the production quality was superb. A lot of big news. Are, are At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Boys over at Morning Combat, Luke Thomas, Brian Campbell, got a snazzy desk interviewing Yoel Romero and all the big stars. It was fun to see. Uh, but the news is uh, that Bellator will exclusively be airing on Showtime instead of mm-hmm. CBS Sports as of April. My first thought was, didn't we just hop ship to CBS Sports? And obviously yeah. there's, a, there's a connection there. Um I think this only works if Showtime, and it seems like they are because you've seen what they've been doing with Morning Combat and CBS Sports Network and boxing. It appears like they're ready to go all in on MMA once again yeah. after the conclusion of Strike Force. But can I just put this out there? As great as this is for Bellator to be on a major network like Showtime, this only works if it's in it for the long haul. And I fear that if this peters out, it's going to be trouble because like, I can't keep track of how many different places Bellator has aired on over the last... 365 days i just miss spike man i got a poster no i don't have any spike poster, but i need a spike poster if you guys got a spike poster spike tv poster i'll take it but uh dude i'm with you it's it's a little tiresome but at the same time showtime is a great home if they do it right it's exactly what you said it's that double-edged sword that you said it's great if they really go for it if they really go balls deep on it but if they don't this is this is just going to peter out and cause frustration for a lot of fans i mean it's got and it may tarnish you know some business relationships as well so there's a lot at stake and and as you alluded to as well viacom cbs man very smart company Mm -hmm. they're not gonna they're not gonna go in and do this thing wrong i don't think or at least not be buttoned up on the details it could it could not work because of something that they can't control like you said maybe all the fights suck and people lose interest in it and what okay that's you can't control that but i guarantee you they're going into it with the right mindset with a plan and 
on the surface, this really, to me, the light heavyweight tournament can't fail. That's no. a killer tournament. What I mean, a that what is, a sick lineup! Isn't that so much fun? It's absurd. It's it's the most fun. It's uh, we were just uh, old Bo Dwayne and I were just on our podcast last night talking to Corey Anderson, and I said, I'm like Corey, I feel totally comfortable saying this, man. You were smart to leave the UFC and move to Bellator because this is the most exciting thing that's happened to the light heavyweight division in in all of MMA in how long? Like. Since when has there been this much attention on 205 since like the good old days of Rashad and, and mm. Rampage and John Jones taking over the world? But that division has kind of gone stale over the years. And now Bellator's like, not so fast. We got something for you. And not just a tournament, which like a tournament in and of itself is always exciting. I think especially to old school MMA fans, to people in general, the format is just exciting. Mm-hmm. But then you look at the roster that they got and they add the matchups that they got, the potential matchups down the line. Dude, Bellator's killing it with that. That's probably the thing I'm most excited for in the near future, for sure. Yeah, you can count that it's going to be go up against a fight night. And uh, Bellator's, I think, going to draw some really strong numbers on those nights, yeah. especially on Showtime. So it's an exciting time. Um, and what I loved about, about the press conference is you got a real blend of, of star power there. You had this light heavyweight Grand Prix uh, capping it where you have, you know, Yoel Romero, Anthony Rumble Johnson is coming back. Ryan Bader, Lyoto Machida. It's a really nice. Corey Anderson. Just like every love. Vadim Nemkov. Every level mm-hmm. of light heavyweight that you could think of. You have them from the veterans to the huge stars to the up and comers to the futures of the division. It's, it, it's remarkable. And what I really liked about it is you got to show off so much else from Bellator that on that day. Uh, AJ McKee in the finals from you know truly like a homebred star yeah um getting probably a chance let's be honest to fight patricio pitbull the greatest champion in bellator history for my uh, money you get valerie valerie lareda some time and obviously she's an enormous star in social media and an undefeated fighter right now um going back on the grand p as we wrap up on bellator who do you have as your early favorite to win the whole thing I honestly think Nemkov, man. I love everything I've seen from him so far. And I think the moment for him, the chance to become a huge star, think if he wins that thing, what you're going to, it's not going to happen, but they're going to say, how does he match up with John Jones? How would he, you know, how would that go? Because that's the conversation that he's going to launch himself into if he wins it. So that's what's super exciting. Obviously the winner of Rumble Romero is going to be a favorite for sure. I would say, and, I like, how do you feel about this? How do you feel about matching them up in the first round? So I like that we're guaranteed to get the fight, which is obviously why they did it. But I, how would you feel about splitting them up and hoping that that's the final? So th- I I was originally, like, I think I think everyone, it, it caught them off guard a little bit. I think there was a raise of the eyebrow, a la Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, <laughs> I saw, I don't know who posted it, but I saw someone on Twitter and they immediately changed my mind, which was, separating them if this is the fight you want to make and it's the fight everyone wants to see if you separate them you run a really strong chance of not getting it because we don't know where rumble's at right now it's been so long since he fought he went out on an l he's getting up there in age um and by matching them up not only do you assure that you get it and you're going to draw strong numbers which i think for showtime is the most important thing right now Mm -hmm. But you also give Yoel Romero probably a really strong bouncing pad to make a good dent into the division right away, right? Because Yoel, I think, for all intents and purposes, is your biggest star. 
He's been in, what, two? He's supposed to be in, like, what, three UFC title fights at this point? Headlining pay-per-views. Supposed to supposed be. Supposed to be, right? <laughs> uh, one half of the of the fight was for a title. There we go. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think it's, in the long run, the right call because you get the match, you get the numbers, and you give a chance to really build up UL. And remind me, is he on the same end of the bracket as Vadim Nemkov? He is, yes. So isn't that crazy? I think they really nailed this because I think mm-hmm. what they're anticipating is Yoel versus Vadim in the semifinals. And again, you either build all this power behind Yoel and draw all this attention from UFC to Bellator, or you show them that they might just have the best light heavyweight in the world right now. Crazy, right? Yeah, I think... See, I, lo- I love the way they did it. And I think you touched on it a few times, but... Bellator is incredibly well equipped for big announcements and mm-hmm. big events. Like I remember covering Bellator NYC way back in the day at this point, but just everything about how buttoned up their media days were the way they treated media. It felt like the highest level UFC event. Like Bellator is really, really good when they want to do it big, they can really do it big. So that's what excites me about this is that they said, this is what we do. Well, we're not going to, pull any punches so to speak we're coming out blazing you know yoel versus rumble right away we're, we're just coming for it so i love seeing them just literally going for it because that's what they do well and i think fans are <laughs> going to reap the benefits here very soon yeah this is something that i think bellator especially with their grand prix does a really good job of and it's something i criticize the ufc a lot for is give me a reason to watch beyond the fact that people are fighting and not mm-hmm. only, like you said, does the does a tournament just tell its own story because it's something we all understand. The way they've lined up the brackets, the more I think about this, the more there is to each fight. Because we talked about Yoel and Vadim, what that means, what Yoel versus Rumble means. Uh, Ryan Bader gets a chance to avenge his loss to Leota Machida. There's a story there. And if Vadim and Ryan both make it to the finals, you've got yourself the rematch. Like, they've poised yep. so many possibilities for added wrinkles to the fight beyond just the fact that these two people are fighting for you know uh, the opportunity to move on in a tournament yeah i don't think they really could have shuffled it any better than they did Mm -hmm. that that's kind of the ideal pairings except phil davis does have a very real possibility in my eyes of just spoiling everything right out the gates like that's a tough you already fought him and i'm pretty sure it was a split decision so i'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me to see phil do it he's he's tough he, he's suck. not the most exciting guy but he is very good no offense to phil davis um yeah, all right. phil davis. shout out to the yankee power who says hey what's up in the chat yeah okay um let's hit these real quick uh we'll give it a minute or two um cory sandhagen do you see a circumstance in which he shouldn't get the next title shot no he needs the next title shot period in my eyes i mean there's nothing more to prove at this point and you're only going to potentially waste his talent in the meantime you know there there's no fight there's no super fight there i know tj dillashaw is the one that everybody's talking about it doesn't interest me enough to keep him away from the title however i did Corey? did i miss see this Corey seems interested in fighting tj though is that correct uh I, I need to check i know that he had wanted that fight prior to the frankie edgar bout but i know he also said there's no way in hell tj should get a title shot over me so i don't know if that means he's willing to take that fight or if he wants to get the belt first and then go from there i'll i'll give it a pass i still wouldn't agree with it but if aljamain wins the title i wouldn't cause too much of a fuss if they say okay Corey, that was two fights ago they lost to him we haven't seen if your submission defense is chalked up anymore. We're going to give it to Dillashaw then. I think that's the only circumstance in which I wouldn't throw a tantrum over. 
That's an interesting wrinkle. I don't hate that at all. Are you saying give the title shot to TJ or make Corey fight TJ? Uh, either or. I guess it, it, yeah, it's yeah. a matter of what happens after Aljo and Peter. Like, if they're out for six months because of damage or something, I think Sanhagen versus Dillashaw is the right way to go. I, th- I think it's all contingent on who wins. If Peter right. Jan wins, I definitely think Corey Sanhagen deserves the next shot. And that'd be such a fun fight. That's what I was going to say. Not to mention that fight you just have to book because obviously <laughs> like that's the most obvious matchup to make ever all right and benil daryush uh man yeah. talk about a guy who at one point uh was on the verge of retirement and now is on this fantastic winning streak he, he went in on May- mick maynard a little bit afterwards he apologized for it uh benil's a class act I've, I've known him for a while very nice guy um at this point what do you want to see from him next because you have dana white talking about like a potential tournament-esque thing between Connor, Dustin, uh, Chandler, Oliveira, Ferguson. I feel like Daryush's name is being left out. But at this point, there's no one else really between him and those guys are being mentioned. Right. It's funny because the lightweight division was always that crazy deep division. But now it's like there's the top five cluster and then kind of everybody else. It's weird right now the way it's laid out. And Benil can stake a claim at any of those guys, in my opinion. Like his run... I think what gets lost with Benil Dariush is how down and out, like you said, nearing retirement. But when you just look at the scope and trajectory of his career, the way that he would get on a little streak and then get brutally knocked out and then brutally lose. And then he would be back on a streak, brutally lose. But now to come back again, like the resilience of this dude is unbelievable. Honestly, like Benil does not get nearly enough credit for what he's done and what he's been able to do with his career. So in my eyes, being, you know, Mr. I have a heart, <laughs> I want Benil to have something great for his next fight. I want him to get the reward that he has rightfully earned right now. So if there is a lightweight tournament, that of course, sick. Put him in that. Let him be a part of that. And I know he's the kind of guy that will be happy with whatever result there is. But he wants to test himself at that level. And I think he's earned that. He's absolutely earned that. I mean, this dude... Just an amazing story, amazing resilience. Always, like you said, one of the absolute nicest guys in the game. Just give a nice guy what he earned for once, UFC. Truly. And I don't think he'll get either of these, but I can't help but wonder how a Charles Oliveira fight would play out. Mm -hmm. You you could see perhaps the grappling sort of negating each other. Uh, Does Oliveira's crisp, diverse striking outlast Benil's chin and punching power? (laughs) The other one... uh, and this one I'm, I'd be very nervous about, but there's just something fascinating to me about the idea of him fighting Justin Gaethje. Because I worry, oh I worry that I, I really want to... The only thing missing from Benil's game right now is some head movement. Like, <laughs> I don't want to see him taking shots on the chin like that when he's fighting a Justin Gaethje or a Dustin yeah. Poirier or a Conor McGregor. But the rest of his game is so good right now because... In, in, in Benil, I think the kryptonite is like, man, I, I don't know if you're going to take more than a couple shots from Gaethje. On the other hand, after the Habib fight, I don't know how long Gaethje would last on the ground with Benil Dariush. Right. It's an interesting matchup on all levels. And not not to say, like, Benil's chin's incredible right now, too. And he packs some serious power as well. So there's no doubt that that could swing either way. And I, back when I was working for Flow Combat and Dwayne and I were doing the, the road trips, we went to King's MMA for a sparring day. And just watching those guys spar was unbelievable. Like, there's no 
no secret why Benil fights the way he does because that's how they do it in the gym, man. Like you, you come to fight on sparring Kings MMA, but then he's the chillest dude ever. Cause like he's going, you know, balls to the wall sparring. And then right after we're interviewing him and he's like the chillest human being so nice. ever. I'm like, dude, how do you just flip that off? Dude, he wants way- to do missionary work when he's on fighting. Yeah. And he's um, going to be great at that. Yeah. He, I, I asked him about, it, cause it's that video. I can't remember who all the, uh, combatants were but a little mini brawl broke out of king's mma ones benil <laughs> fabricio verdum and a couple other guys i don't remember that's well. insane it's a, it was that's a crazy insane. video doesn't surprise me no yeah. not at all <laughs> um okay we have three minutes probably gonna go a few minutes long folks uh let's get to ufc 258 real quick one last mm. reminder oh that's the wrong one subscribe <laughs> notification <laughs> bell like button yada yada you know the drill okay ufc 258 first question for you uh, people crap a lot on Kamar Usman's entertainment value uh, when it comes to fight night. That Colby Covington fight, boy, was that a fun scrap. I find there's two trains of thoughts. One, they kind of had an unspoken rule that they were going to go out there and make one another pay. The other, that the grappling kind of negated one another. Right. Based on how the Colby Covington fight went and how the Jorge Masvidal fight went, which direction do you think the Gilbert Burns fight is more likely to go? 100% the Colby direction. I don't see Kamara just holding Gilbert Burns the way he was able to Jorge. And Jorge, short notice, not really prepared for the fight. You got to factor all that. I know people are like, oh, he's making excuses. But like, I don't call it an excuse. I call it an explanation when it actually makes sense. Like, it's not the same. Gilbert Burns is prepared. Yeah. Gilbert Burns is getting better. That's the most exciting thing to me is Gilbert Burns, not quite to the level of Dariush, but Burns was always seen as kind of like middle of the road, like very uh, amazing grappling. But then he started working more and more with Henry Hooft and developing his striking. And it was like, okay, this guy might be something. And then he actually became that something, but is also still getting better. So it's like, for me, we don't know exactly how good Gilbert Burns is yet. We don't know what this next evolution of Gilbert Burns is going to be in this fight. So if he's even better than he was against, you know, Tyron Woodley, Kamaru's got, he's got a problem on his hands. And I think that's what he needs. You talk about, he's not that entertaining on fight night, which I understand that criticism for sure. But like the Colby fight, when there's a guy who can push him, Kamaru can be very exciting and incredibly. So I think this fight is going to be bananas, dude. I am super stoked for it. I just can't imagine Gilbert Burns just knowing his mindset, the I'm going to finish you mindset. I can't imagine him being in a boring fight, especially because of how well-rounded he is, because wherever Kamaru puts him, Gilbert's going to be dangerous. So that's what's exciting to me. Yeah, my my only fear is uh, Gilbert getting stuck with his back on the fence. That's that's the only place I can see this fight uh, perhaps getting stale, but in on in, on distance in in a clinch on the ground everywhere else i think it's going to be a banger of a fight what else do we got here okay um and i've it's funny this is the first time i've seen this conversation really popping up on social media what does a win mean for kamaru usman's legacy are we prepared to put him ahead of tyron woodley behind gsp are we is he nearing that conversation I mean, I definitely think so. These conversations are always so hard. Like he's obviously still behind GSP, even with a win. But these conversations are hard because you have the benefit of hindsight. Mm -hmm. You have the benefit of seeing how Tyron Woodley's career has played out over the years and that Kamaru completely annihilated him. So it's hard to remember exactly how good Tyron Woodley was. But I remember distinctly because I was involved in, I was on Team Woodley that 
Tyron Woodley was approaching mm-hmm. George St. Pierre's level of greatness. Like that was on the table. So it's really hard to have that conversation, but there's no doubt that Kamaru beats Gilbert Burns. That's puts him in the right direction. Yeah. You're going to have a hard time convincing me that he's on GSP's level, even with the, take a long dominant, time. Yeah. with the most dominant of dominant wins over Gilbert Burns. He can't get there, but it does set the table for him maybe getting there sometime in the future, which is, it's crazy to think of, man. It really just further highlights exactly how dominant GSP was. And to, I guess, Kamaru's credit, GSP's credit, however you want to frame it, GSP was not considered the most exciting guy either, and that doesn't seem to matter. So if Kamaru just keeps winning, I mean, what you can't talk can't talk bad on the guy. He's not, he's so well-rounded. He's always there. He's ready to fight. I mean. Oh, I miss the Robbie Lawler days of the welterweight division sometimes. Oh, good times. Uh, yeah, so I'm <laughs> just comparing their championship records. Woodley beat Lawler for the title, draw against Wonderboy, majority decision against Wonderboy, unanimous decision over Darren, uh, over Damian Maya, and then a Darce choke over uh, Darren Till, excuse me. So that is, what, one, including the championship victory, that is four wins and a draw against good names. Mm-hmm. Kamaru, uh, unanimous decision win over Tyron Woodley, TK over Colby Covington, unanimous decision over Jorge Masvidal, I think I'd put them at like two A two B. That's what it if seems. If Kamara like. wins this fight, you could. I guess you could make the argument that beating the champion should give him a slight nudge there. Sure, but I, I think I'd put them on par at that point. It seems about right. If he finishes Burns, I would be pretty comfy saying Kamara above Woodley. Okay. But either way, That's I'm not mad if you want. Like I said, I was a big. I was on the Tyron Woodley bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I thought he didn't get the respect that he deserved. So. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Uh, last thing here, uh, straying away from the main event for a second. Ugh. Man, is this do or die for Kelvin Gastelum? I got to say, uh, Robbie Lawler, M- McDonald, Robbie Lawler, Condit aside, Izzy versus Kelvin Gastelum might be my all-time favorite fight. Dude, dude, no shame in that. That's a very reasonable pick. Yeah. I and, mean, that fight was just bonkers. And to see where Kelvin is at now, especially, and I know his submission defense hasn't always been the best, but to see him get tapped out so quickly by Jack Hermanson and then subsequently see Jack Hermanson lose to Marvin Vittori, mm-hmm. like, this mm-hmm. is rough. I feel like this is the lowest Kelvin Gastelum has been on the totem pole for a really long time. It absolutely is, man. And like you said, it's a very weird sequence of events because on one hand, the fight against Izzy was not only one of the best fights that we've ever seen, but that one has aged even better. Yeah. Whereas, like you said, Hermanson lost, that one aged worse. So what exactly is Kelvin Gastelum at this stage in his career? I don't know, but I do know that when Kelvin Gastelum is at his best, he's absolutely a title contender. So I'm hoping that he can bottle some of that up and be interesting again because that's another he's another one of my favorite guys another king's mma guy we're talking about here it just seems like they breed you know killers there that are also just great dudes out of the gym so i'm hoping for the best for kelvin on that level but he's got to he's got to prove it at this point you can't lose three you can't lose three straight and then come out flat again because that just says you gave up on your career it's <laughs> to me so that's that's not the route, road he wants to travel this is like when is the last time calvin fought someone of ian heinish uh name value because i, I don't right. want to disrespect ian heinish's skill um i mean i i'd, I'd rank neil magny higher than ian heinish so it'd be nate marquardt in june of 2015 it's been about six years since he's fought someone in this sort of sphere. 
And even then, Nate Marquardt was a legend. Yeah. He was a former title challenger. Like people knew Nate Marquardt for sure. Maybe at that stage in his career, people also knew he was pretty washed. But from a sheer name value point, you got to put him above Ian as well. Yeah. So there we go. It's been quite a while. Uh, Dean D in the chat says, Hunter Almastek, I haven't seen this guy in ages. Where have you been, Hunter? Who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, dude. So I've been covering Pittsburgh sports, actually, man. When I left Flow Combat in December of 2018, I went to uh, kind of pursue some local childhood dream stuff, if you will, a chance to cover the Steelers and the Pirates. And I'm, you know, Pittsburgh boy. So the chance to cover the pro Pittsburgh teams was just way too cool for me to pass up. But as things go, they wrote me back in, man. So the Brawl Network hit me up about hosting a podcast. And I actually got Dwayne Finley as the co-host on the show the bow and glow MMA show. So if you remember me from flow combat, I'm sure you also remember Dwayne from flow combat. So we are back with the podcast thing, not full time back into MMA or anything like that, but we're very excited to be a part of it. And on shows like this too, look at the production value. Look at the production value of this show, guys. I've been gone so long. It's like the world advanced. <laughs> You're talking about your show or my show? Your show, dude. Look at this. Are you taking a look at it on YouTube? absolutely go, I have that's why if you guys see me glancing over here i'm checking the yeah, comments man, we got we got the we got the here i'll i'll, I'll roll you through it since you're watching now it'll be a delay but uh i guess you can't, it wouldn't really make sense you'd be delayed uh okay okay let's wrap up with this this is actually fun for me too so we're talking about this off air but when i first started trying to uh do more than just a podcast in the mma space i actually hit you up about doing some stuff with flow combat and it seems like just as I started getting my footing in this space, you were on your way out. So it, it's fun that all this time later, we finally got to uh, link up. But I want to end on this note. If you look at the one shot that's on Hunter and ignore the social media tag, ignore his job title for a sec. I fucked up. <laughs> there are three things here. Currently addicted to golf, played guitar since 13, and the most important one, beat Cub Swanson at bowling. Tell me, was this, uh, was this a split decision? Did oh, you no. steamroll him? Tell me about this bowling. Dude, I styled on him like he styled on Dennis Seaver. Like, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even remotely competitive. Dude, I can say all this because I know I'm, you know, thousands of miles from Cub Swanson. <laughs> so, I'm really comfy talking about how I whooped his ass at bowling. So, it was on the Flow Combat road trip. Dwayne and I were actually Cub, dude, again, just talking about the best guys in the game he invited us to stay at his house when we were at the, on the road trip. So he's like, Hey man, I have a guest room for you guys. Just crash here with us. And this was before he had any kids. Actually, when we were bowling, Kenda told us that she was pregnant and like that they were expecting their first kid. So it was like a really celebratory kind of night in general, just a great night. And we were bowling and dude, I don't bowl. Like I'm not a good bowler at all. And I was actually making jokes because all the times in the past when I had bowled, I completely sucked. Mm -hmm. So I expected to just get waxed, but dude, I came out the gates with like, three straight strikes. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. I, I forget the final score, but I had like 160, 170. I want to say like, it was by far the highest score of my life. And Cub and them were, you know, 80, 90, whatever, low hundreds, whatever it was, but it was annihilation, man. I whooped his ass. And then we sparred the next day for fun at true MMA. And uh, let's just say, however bad I beat him at bowling, he beat me worse at fighting. So I feel like there was some frustration taken out Cub. I haven't forgotten. My liver hasn't forgiven you either. <laughs> Well, we'll make sure to tag him when I clip this. So 100% do that. For that. <laughs> but I don't want round two. Let's also make that extreme. No round two. <laughs> would, you, would, you, would you be willing to go rematch for rematch with Cub? 
only if it's on pay-per-view and I get a cut of the sales. Sign me up. Deal. There we go. Uh, we'll host it over at Fightful. All right, Hunter, we're on the two shot, so all of your information is correct. Why don't you let the people know where they can find you, what you're up to, all that good stuff. For sure, guys. Thanks for listening, first of all, man. Thanks for having me. And, Our watch uh, time is way up, so I'm going to have you back hey, every week. There we go. I love it. It's uh, at Hunter A. Homestek. It's H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K, and I'm that on Twitter, Instagram, all kinds of stuff. And I'm on over on the Brawl Network right now, so that's at Network Brawl on Twitter. With the Bow & Glow MMA show, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart, all that stuff. However you're watching or listening to your podcast, you can find us, Bow & Glow MMA show. We've had Frankie Edgar, Dustin Poirier, Gray Maynard, Corey Anderson. We came out the gates pretty hard with our guests, so really excited about what we're building there. And I think you guys check the podcast out. You'll really enjoy it. So that would mean a lot. Subscribe, do all that good stuff. Do that. But before you do, hit subscribe over here at <laughs> Fightful MMA. Tap the notification bell. Leave a like on this video. Got good stuff coming out, guys. Later today, we're dropping uh, top 10 women's MMA fighters who should replace Gina Carano on The Mandalorian. A lot of fun alternate stuff that you're not going to get anywhere else. We'd really appreciate your support. Um, what's there left to say? Enjoy UFC 258. Uh, go support what Hunter and the homies are doing. And uh, time for the shitty outro. So stay tuned for everything fightful and so delightful. Peace out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.